Well, this, this morning is going to be a, a little bit of a different style of a message this morning. So if this is your first time that you've ever come to Radius, please come back next week. <laughs> so a little bit of a different style of a message. And, and in many ways, this is, this is almost going to maybe feel at times kind of like a family meeting this morning. So, uh, so I, I may step on a few toes. I've got really big feet. Uh, so I'll try to be gentle as I do that. But this morning, I really want to do three different things this morning. I want to give you a ministry report, our home church. Susan and I want to give you a ministry report for a refreshed soul. I'll tell you a little more about what that is. Uh, the second thing I want to do this morning is I want to tell you some secrets about your pastor. Sounds pretty juicy, doesn't it? It's going to be fun. Uh, and then the third thing I want to do this morning is I want to put on my elder's hat and, uh, and maybe give our, our home church here a little bit of a challenge going into 2024. So let me start by talking about Refreshed Soul. 18 months ago, my lovely bride, Susan, and I founded a ministry called Refreshed Soul. And we want to say from her and I, for you guys, we just want to genuinely say thank you. Because of your faithfulness in giving, this church helps support, and, and we are an extension of what God is doing here, uh, caring for pastors and ministry leaders from all across the country. We know that many of you pray for us and encourage us, and, and we just want to say a real genuine thank you for that. The bedrock belief that we have at Refresh Soul is that you simply cannot have a healthy church if you don't have a healthy pastor. Here's how this whole organization got started. Right before COVID, Ken and I were having a cup of coffee. And in the midst of a conversation, we started talking about things that we were hearing and seeing that were just happening in the lives of pastors all around the country with, with pastors burning out and discouragement. And, and, and we, we started to just brainstorm some ideas about, hey, what, what could we do to help uh, aid in what's going on with pastors? L let me share a couple statistics for you because after that meeting, I started doing some research and was like, man, I wonder what really is going on. There's an organization called Barna, which is like a research organization, and they, there are some statistics that they shared about pastors. 38% of pastors said that they have considered leaving full-time ministry in the last year. 38%. You, you guys think about that. As you drive around the valley, that means one out of every three churches that you drive by, their pastor has been pondering, I don't know if I can do this or if I want to do this anymore. 51% of pastors 45 years of age and younger are seriously considering leaving ministry. For me, that's the statistic that actually frightens me the most, worries me the most. Because think about that. These are younger pastors that have probably went to Bible school, went to seminary. They have just launched their ministry life, and they're already thinking, I don't think I want to do this. From the big picture for the, for the North American church, that's a really significant thing. Over 75% of pastors believe that pastoring affects their families negatively. 70% of pastors 
do not have someone that they consider to be a close friend. 70%. 55% of pastors feel lonely and discouraged. So as we started looking at some of those statistics, I started wondering, well, why, why is that going on? Because obviously then as COVID came through, a whole new series of, of challenges and issues began uh, to arise for pastors to face. And, and here's part of what happens in the role of a pastor and why pastoring is really unique. They carry the weight of people. A pastor carries the weight because they, they hear stories of what's happening in people's lives and marriages and the challenges and, and they're spiritual fathers of a church. So they, they, carry, they carry the weight of so many people. We live in this culture in many ways, friends, where it's, a, it's kind of a thumbs up, thumbs down culture, right? Man, that was a good sermon, pastor. Or the email, boy, that one was kind of a stinker right? Kind of this thumbs up, thumbs down culture. And one of the other things that I think has really changed in the last handful of years is we've had a change in our culture and there is now an expectation on pastors that they voice political opinions, that they make a stand. Am I on this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle? I mean, think about it through COVID. Mask on, not mask. Get together, not get together. All the stuff. A pastor didn't get into ministry to, to have to navigate those things. And what happens is no matter their perspective, whether they, if they voice a perspective, right, they're, they're going to alienate 50% of the people. And so then they carry the weight of so many things. As we started to talk about this issue with pastors, here's one of the things that we thought, you know, we can't do everything to solve this thing that's going on with pastors, but we can certainly do something. At the time, I was one of the pastors here at Radius, and, and we're growing, and, and Ken finally looked at me one day over coffee, and he, and he said, Mark, listen, there is no way that you and Susan can't go do this, because it's exactly who God has designed you to be. And then God connected us with a, with a, a person up in Bellingham who has a generous heart, and he, he, said, he said, man, you guys, let me, let me help you get this thing launched. And then a very courageous wife said, okay, let's pack up our bags and be gone half the year and, and, and go do what we do. And it's been an absolute incredible thing watching my wife live out her gifting, her ability to serve and hospitality and to, to set an atmosphere. Uh, it's really been incredible. So, so here's what Refresh Soul is. We do epic retreats. Don't you love that name? We do epic retreats with pastors and ministry leaders from all across the country. Our, therm, our theme verse is this, Jeremiah 31, 25. And I love the promise of this verse. It says that I'll refresh tired bodies and I'll restore tired souls. So we do these epic retreats and they're, they're typically on a Monday through a Friday most of our retreats are small, four, five, six pastors at a time is kind of what our typical thing is like. Um, and, and these retreats, they're not content driven. And here's why that is important. I don't think that for the most part, pastors need more information. 
They simply need an environment and a space and some people to love on them. So they're not sitting down with a notebook and saying, okay, what's the four keys to take care of my soul, right? It doesn't, it doesn't function like that for us. Instead, they are highly relational and very experiential. So we've done pastors retreats with, with just male pastors. We've done pastor couples retreats. We've done quite a few of those, and we're getting more and more requests for that. My bride has championed some female pastor and ministry leaders retreats that have been absolutely fantastic. I'm so proud of her. She's doing great. So on these retreats, quickly, let me walk you through the four goals that we have on a retreat. And you're going to see some pictures behind me. I'm actually not going to look at them because many of them will make me cry because I know the stories of those people. And we've shared moments where they've opened up and they've talked about what's going on in their family and in their marriage and in their ministry world. But our, our retreats have four goals. The first goal is this, is we want them to feel refreshed. When they go home, we want them to feel like in their soul, like I'm, I feel alive, I feel energized. And that comes through doing retreats in world-class locations like Sitka, Alaska on a private island. We're up there from like the end of April until the middle of September and uh, doing retreats every week up there. Uh, it, you know, these retreats, we have incredible food, amazing hospitality. You guys, my wife, this woman can cook. And it's not just like Costco lasagna, right? I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but this woman can cook. As a matter of fact, there was, I almost threw a pastor, I got to confess, I almost threw a pastor off of a boat this summer. We're about in the middle of our retreat, and this pastor looks at me, and he, and he says, he goes, you know, hey, Mark, I just want you to know I've been eyeballing your wife. <laughs> now, we're on a boat in the ocean, and I thought, I'm going to... You're feeding the fish. And he gets this little smile on his face, and he goes, because, boy, that woman can cook. <laughs> oh. One of the questions that we ask at the start of our retreats is, is what, pastors, what is the state of your soul? How are you doing? The most common answer to that question is utter exhaustion. I'm depleted. One of the reasons why we see that more and more, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, is so many pastors try to do everything, and it just sets them up. We really work hard on these retreats to have a lot of breathing space because it's only God that can truly restore. The second goal that we have on our retreats is that they would be encouraged. One of the things that we have learned is that pastors, many pastors, are, are very focused on What's, what's the next big thing that our church needs to do? And, and they're focused on, man, I just heard about these couples that are going through a divorce or this person that just went through a tragedy. And, but they, it's really easy for them to forget how God is uniquely using them in the individual lives of people. So Susan champions this amazing thing that we do. Uh, most of the pastors that come say that this is the highlight of their retreat. We're kind of sneaky with it. So when a pastor registers, we get a registration form, and on there we get their emergency contact because they might die. So Susan, so Susan calls their emergency contact, which inevitably is the spouse, and invites them to be part of a secret mission where they hand-select a handful of people from their church. Those people then go to a secret part of our website. They watch a video. They click a button, and they write a Be Encouraged card where they talk about things that they see in their pastor's character. 
and they talk about how God is using their pastor in their life and how it's impacting their marriage and their family. And, and then on Tuesday night, we unveil this surprise. You would be surprised at how many pastors start to cry as soon as we tell them about what's about ready to happen. It's amazing. As soon as I say, hey, my wife, talk to your wife. You guys, there, there is this, oh, my gosh, what's up? what am I about ready to hear? And what am I about ready to see? And, and then they take this time, and they, go, and they go and read their cards. And then we get them back together, and, and we'll ask them a question like, what was that like for you getting those cards? Most of the time, it's tears and snot bubbles. Remember one of the pastors that came, pastors a cowboy church, a big church in New Mexico, and I mean, he's a tough cowboy guy, and he's just crying. I said, Ty, what was that like for you? And he said, man, this, it meant this much. When I get home, I am telling my kids that when I die, I want those cards buried in my casket with me. We want them to be encouraged. Our third goal is this, is that they would experience an environment of grace where, they're, where they can share with others who are in the ministry trenches. One of the things that we see week in and week out is isolation. We hear pastors virtually every week, someone will say something like this. I know a thousand people, but there's nobody that actually knows me. We've had pastors say things like, man, I've been pastoring for 35 years, and in that time I've never had a single friend because I can't afford the risk. So we invite them on this retreat with some ministry peers to just be a human being, to take the mask off, to take the Superman cape off, and simply have a chance to talk about how, how's their marriage, how's their heart, how's their exhaustion level, and do that in a way where they feel loved and where they feel safe, that happens on, around a campfire, but more often, like when we're in Sitka, here, let, let, me, let me walk you through what this looks like typically on a retreat. A pastor will be reeling in the first fish of their life. 30 minutes later, they're going to be barfing over the edge because they got seasick. <laughs> and then there will be a question that I might ask like, hey, what's the greatest challenge that you're facing in your marriage today? And four hours later, as these pastors have shared real things with ministry peers, and they'll say things like, this is stuff I haven't ever talked about because I felt safe in a very unique way to be able to, uh, to talk about it. I love some of those pictures. One of the stories this summer that really grabbed me was a pastor by the name of Lance. We were doing the Be Encouraged cards, and this is, I, want you to, I want you to get a sense of what it's like to have an environment of grace with some pastors. Lance reads his Be Encouraged cards, and then he begins to absolutely weep. And I went over, and I sat by him on the couch, and I said, ma'am, what's going on? And he started to share with this small group of pastors, and he, he said, well, this last year, my twin sister committed suicide. Two months later, my daughter died right after giving childbirth. And I watched this group of pastors just love on him and care for him and listen and let him cry. And the amazing part about that story with Lance was two days later, we're out on the boat and we've been catching fish and it was a great, beautiful day. And I caught him sitting on the side of the boat and he started to laugh. And he looked at everybody and he said, you guys, this is the first time I think I have laughed in the last year because he was just in this environment of grace where he felt cared for. Mm. 
Our last goal is this, is that they would have an absolute blast, that they would have some fun. There is something about experiencing joy and laughter. There's a great story about that fish, by the way. I can see it. Back. That's a lingcod if you don't know what that is back there. But we want them to have a blast when they're on these retreats, to have some fun and experience joy and have a little bit of adventure. Um, it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. You guys, here's what's happened. So we launched this about 18 months ago. We have now had over 125 pastors from around the country on retreats. Man, it's so, uh, so encouraging. And going into 2024, we already have about 90% of Sitka for this, this summer already booked out. Uh, we're going to be busy on retreats starting in January. We do retreats in more than Sitka. We've got some places in Washington that we use, you know, throughout the year. But again, church, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you from, from Susan and I. Second thing I want to do this morning is, is I want to tell you some secrets about your pastor. <laughs> Patty's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, when I said that earlier, here's my guess. My guess is half of the room went, ooh, this is going to get juicy. The other half of the room went, oh, I'm really uncomfortable now. But it's totally okay. I've talked about these things uh, with Ken. So um, a couple things that I think are important for you to know uniquely about your pastor, Ken. First thing is this. He's healthy. His marriage is healthy. His relationships with his kids are strong and healthy. You guys, that is so important because you can't have a healthy church if you don't have a healthy pastor. We see pastors week in and week out that many of them are not healthy. The pastor of this church is healthy and strong. Another thing I want you to know about your pastor is he's just a man. You may see him up here, especially living out his gifting, and may think he's Superman and that he can walk on water too, but he can't. He's just a man who has the same challenges and things that he walks through in his everyday life like all of us do. It's one of the reasons why you've probably hear, heard Ken say, hey, church, I'm not the hero of the Radius story. That's a really important thing for us as a church to know. Another secret I want you to know about your pastor is that he genuinely loves you. Like, really, loves most of you. <laughs> he loves you, church. When we're on retreats, I check in with him throughout the week, and, and he'll say, oh, man, Mark, this thing is going on, and oh, this is so good. Church, he loves you. Another secret I want you to know about your pastor is that he really doesn't know about everything that happens here at Radius. Now, that may surprise you because some of you, when you greet him when he's on the way out, you may ask him a question like, now, what was that thing? And he probably gives you a blank stare. He's not faking it. He really doesn't know every detail that happens around here, and that is a very, very, very good thing for this church. It's really important 
that he doesn't have to know everything because then he w- we could only grow as a church to the ability with which he can remember and manage and keep track of. We see pastors week in and week out that are, are, are dying on the vine, and it's because they do know everything that's happening in their church, and they've hit their max. Another thing I want you to know that's unique about our pastor is this. The greater the challenge... And the bigger the vision, the more his leadership gifts come alive. That's a very unique thing, church. There's a lot of pastors, if the vision gets too big or if the growth is happening or, 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 or it's too stretching where, where they might constrict a little bit and it might get overwhelming. It's just the opposite. His best leadership gifts come out when there is a big vision. When there is a big challenge, it's a very unique thing for us. It's just how God has uniquely wired our pastor. A few things that are important for us to know, church, he can't pray with everybody. He can't. He can't can't meet with each couple that's going through a marriage challenge. He can't meet with every parent that's got a challenging teenager and needs to talk through some things. He, He can't visit every person That's in the hospital. But here's what he can do. Church, this is really important. Here's what he can do. Is he can make sure that there is a system and a process for all of those things to happen. And guess what? He's really good at that. He's really uniquely gifted for that. It's why things like life groups and dream teams and coming to next step, it's why they're so important. Because all of the needs that happen inside of this church family can be met if you're plugged into those things. Another thing that can do is he can live out his unique gifting. And so can you. You guys, Ken is uniquely gifted. He's probably uncomfortable listening to this, but you guys, he is, he is uniquely gifted. I believe he's one of the best communicators as a pastor in the country, hands down. I hear from people week in and week out who will say, man, I've never thought about that verse that way. I've never seen those things tied back together that way. You know, one of the things that you probably see with Ken and his unique gifting is, you know, one moment up here, he's, he's like the karate kid. <laughs> Right, And he's saying, may the fleas of a thousand camels, right, find your armpits or whatever that saying is. <laughs> but, then it, but then two seconds later, he's going to say, hey, church, where you're at is not where you have to stay. And he's going to tell you a story about Miss Zeal, and you're going to see his tenderness come out. And he's going to share some things about how he was raised and how God met him in the middle of all of those moments. Friend, we have a very uniquely, very uniquely gifted pastor. Church, let's, let's not take that for granted, okay? We hear him preach every single week, and, and, and I think it would be easy to take it for granted, but church, let's not take it for granted. Let me give you a couple things from my perspective about what our pastor needs from us. He needs us to pray for him. We need to be praying for his physical health, for his mental health, that he's sleeping good. We need to be praying for his marriage. We need to be praying for his relationships with his family. And you guys, we need to be, we need to be praying for our pastor. It's important for us that we don't put our pastor on a pedestal where he can be knocked off 
but instead put our pastor on a prayer list where he can be lifted up. We need to be praying for our pastor. We need to honor our pastor. You guys, honor is a word we don't talk about very much. Just in today's culture, you don't hear that word, honor, very much. You know, parents, we probably, and especially, you know, if you grew up in church, you probably have heard, you know, the verses about honoring your mother and father. Those verses are really important. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Pastors are like spiritual fathers of a house. And the Bible talks about giving them honor. 1 Timothy 5.17, here's what it says. The elders, and in that verse that could be pastors, who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of what? Double honor. They're worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Honor means this. Honor means to esteem, to give value, and to show great respect. We need to honor our pastor. Lastly, I think what's important is we need to encourage our pastor. And friends, let me walk you through very specifically about what I think this could look like for this church. It doesn't mean greeting him after the service and high five and just say, that was a great story, that was a doozy, way to go, I'll see you next week. That, that, would, that would encourage him at a very shallow level. Let, let me tell you what would encourage him at a very deep level. Let's say he preached a, a series two months ago, and there was something that you grabbed a hold of that radically impacted your life, your marriage, your walk with Jesus. Here's what would encourage him to pieces. Would be instead then when you greet him in the hallway, pull him aside and say, hey, Ken, man, listen. Two months ago, you preached this message on whatever it was. Man, I really grabbed something hold, and I've been putting that into practice with my life, in, in my life. It's transformed how I'm parenting or how I'm working on my job or, or my understanding of what grace is in my life. And, and Ken, let me, let me just say thank you because I'm taking those things and I'm putting them into practice in my life. You guys, I promise you, if we encourage him that way, he'll be walking on cloud nine, knowing that God is uniquely using his gifting inside of, inside of this church. <coughs> Last thing I want to do today is I want to put on my elder's hat. And if you're, if you're new around here, or if you haven't been to Next Steps, that's a subtle hint, um, there is a group of people here at Radius that meet with Ken and Patty once a month, and we have lunch, and we pray, and we talk about things that are happening in the church, and, and we specifically care for Ken and Patty, and that group of people are called elders. So I want, I want to put on my elders hat, and, and I want to give us as a church some challenges, and I may, I may step on a few toes. I don't mean to. I just mean to encourage us strongly <laughs> with a few things, okay? So we, we have been in this series called History Maker. Radius, let's be a history-making church. Let's, let's be a history-making church right here in the valley. History Maker, here's the definition that we have during this series. History Maker is that one by acts 
ideas or existence modifies the course of history. I've spent most of my life in the valley. I was born and raised in Anacortes. My family's been there for a hundred and some years. Uh, but I've been around the valley for a long, long time. And I've, and, and I've seen a lot in the ministry and the church world here in the valley. You guys, there is a significant need in the valley. And I'm going to talk about a couple numbers that are happening here in Skagit County. But, but friends, we as a church, I believe that we need to grow as a church to make an even bigger impact on the valley. That may, for some of you, may, be, may come as a little bit of a surprise because maybe you're brand new to church and you come and, you know, sometimes you can't even hardly get a parking spot out there and, you know, there's amazing things happening and all of that is true, but there is an enormous need in the valley and I believe that Radius Church really needs to grow to help make an impact here in the valley. One of the things that makes this church unique, you guys, is that we, this is a life-giving church. You all are part of carrying a life-giving culture here at Radius. I remember a few years ago, a, a guy had come, and it was his first time at Radius, and he kind of was grumpy on his way out, and, and, and he pulled me aside, and he, he said, that wasn't church, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I, I actually feel better about myself than when I came, and, <laughs> and frankly, if you don't feel guilty and feel bad, you didn't really go to church. That's not our way of doing things, church. We are a life-giving, we are a life-giving church. Friends, you hear people, or you hear Ken all the time say, I am not the hero of the Radius story. And that, that, that is important because that means that we as a people need to take ownership of this church. This is your church, Take ownership over your church. We have a series that's going to be coming up at the beginning of the year. And if you don't really understand the things that are on that wall about what it is that we try to do as a church, so we want you to know God and find freedom and discover purpose and, and make a difference. We have a series coming up after the beginning of the year that's going to kind of dive into those things uh, really deep. I want to take a really quick rabbit trail if I can, because there, there's something that I've, I've, uh, I think is important for you all to know. One of the things that happens, I think, is that it's easy to confuse the spiritual gift of being a pastor with the office of being a pastor. The position of pastor. Some of you have probably come to Next Steps and you have taken a spiritual gift survey and you see that you have the spiritual gift of pastor and you might look at Ken up here and what he does and say, oh my gosh, there ain't no way I want to do that. But the word pastor is actually derived from the Greek word poimen, meaning to shepherd. Many of you have that spiritual gift of shepherding. Let's read it from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This may shock many of you, but this church is full of pastors. There are a lot of people here that you have been given the spiritual gift of pastor. 
it's important that you exercise that spiritual gift. Come to Next Steps, and you can learn more about how to do that. We have one coming up in January. If you haven't been to Next Steps, or if you have been to Next Steps, come again uh, and maybe look at it in a whole new, fresh way. I asked Ken to, to, to share with me a couple statistics about Radius Church. And this is where I may step on a few toes, so just give me some grace as I try to do this, right? I asked Ken to share some statistics about where we are as a church. I said, Ken, what percentage of regular attending people at Radius are tithing, are giving, are trusting God in their finances and living that out? Right now for Radius, that's about 20 to 25% of the people that call Radius their church home. Friends, grab this with me. Lean in a little bit if you would. What might this church be able to do in this community if that was 50%? What kind of needs might we be able to meet? How might we be able to make a bigger impact? I asked Ken, I said, I said, Ken, what percentage of radius is in life groups or coming on Wednesday nights? Right now, that's about 40%. You guys, that is, the, that, is the vet, that is the vehicle for doing life together. It's the way we're connected relationally. What would happen if that was 75% of this church? What might happen? What might happen to friendships and relationships? And when you go through a challenge, right? We all, we all need people that we're going to be connected with when, when life hits us in the face a little bit, right? What would happen if that was 75%? I asked Ken, I said, what, what percentage of the church has come to next steps? He said, that's about 35%. Church, what if that was 75%? Then that understood why we do things the way we do, how this church is structured, and at least consider how God might use your gifts, your talents to be part of what is happening here in the life of this church. Friends, I just simply this morning want to invite each one of us, me included, to pick one of those things. Is, is there one of those that I might be able to just take one more little step to get involved? Is there one of those that I could personally take action on? Would you at least pray about it? Good. Thank you. In the valley, you guys, there are roughly 140,000 people in Skagit County. 140,000 people in Skagit County. I'm not a math whiz, but 1% of 140,000 is 1,400 people. Friends, here's my invitation to us as a church leaning into 2024. Would you be praying that God would give us 1% this year? Would you be stepping, would you be willing to step out courageously in faith and say, God, God, would you open the doors? Would you connect us with the people? God, would you, would you help us meet the needs of 1% of the people in Skagit Valley? Man. You guys, friends, what if, what if this? What if a typical radius weekend, we have about 800 people that come to this church. What if 800 people came together in this unique time in history what if 800 people leaned in and said, God, would you use this church? Would you use me to help make an impact in the valley? Each one of us, friends, has a personal radius. You know, our logo is an open circle radius. But, you know, each one of us have a radius of relationships. 
Each one of us have neighbors. Each one of us have family and friends and co-workers that drive us crazy. And each one of us has, this, has, a, has a radius of relationships. Church, are, are we praying for them? Church, are, are we saying to our neighbor across the fence, hey, man, God's been doing some pretty cool things in my life. I don't know if you would ever have an interest in coming to church, but hey, if I bribed you with buying you a Dairy Clean blizzard or taking you out to lunch afterwards, would you, would you come with me? Here's what it would look like, and simply, simply invite them to come and see what God is doing here at Radius. Friends, would you, would you stand with me this morning?